I only want to do what I see you doing. I only want to say what I hear you saying. So, Carol and I, in this moment, we submit ourselves to you for you to speak. Do as you will in this place. We're so thankful, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're, all, we're open to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lots been on my on Carol and our hearts, and there uh, there are certain things that uh, uh, how can I put it? Have you ever wondered why? Sometimes in our lives, it's kind of hit and miss when it comes to God. Some prayers get answered, others don't. Sometimes you feel like you stepping out in the will and plan of God, and then you find out I, I missed it. I really didn't understand that. I didn't. Anybody tired of hitting and missing? Yes. I want a whole lot more precision. And when I look at uh, nature, I know that you see this title: God's formula for healing. Yes. Right? So, God, what's the formula? Because in all of nature, in fact, the word of the Lord says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard, whose voice is not heard, the heavens, meaning as we're looking at the moon and the sun and the stars and the wind blowing, all of nature is in clouds. Everything is is speaking forth and showing the handiwork of God. They're always speaking to us. There is no speaker language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through the earth and their words to the end of the world. In other words, all of nature around us is speaking to us. And one of the things that nature is telling us is that God is very precise. And so I wonder, why is it that the seasons change right on time? We're able to predict when the uh, when we're going to have a full moon or a half moon or because all, they know the revolutions that the moon is making around the earth. They're able to predict the revolution of the sun as the earth is going around the sun. And we're able to see weather patterns. We see winter, spring, summer, fall. We never it never gets out of line. We don't go spring and then and then winter and then jump back to summer. But everything is precise. You know, sun's going to come up in the morning. It's going to traverse through the sky and it's going down. Even to the point we can look on our phones and they tell us when the sunrise sunrise going to be at this time, sunset's going to be at this time. So my question is, why is it that all the nature can be so precise and we can predict what it's going to do, see what it's going to do, but when it comes to my life, it's all, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. And I know God did not intend for our lives, especially once we give our hearts to him, for our lives to be so out of control, unpredictable, and especially when we're talking with him. Like, God, I'm, I'm seeking your face. I'm, I'm praying, and I'm looking for you to speak to me. So why is it that sometimes I hear you and sometimes I don't? Sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. And especially when I think I feel like I'm quoting your word. I'm speaking the things that the preacher told me to speak. I'm saying the things that the teacher said to say, but somehow when I put it together, sometimes it works and sometimes it don't. So how many of you know that, uh, give you an example, um, when you put together certain chemicals and uh, you know, for those of you that cook, if I was to come to you and say, I'm going to bake a cake, and what I believe is necessary to bake a cake is that you put all the same amount of everything in the cake. So I should be able to put in a pound of flour and a pound of sugar, a pound of salt, a pound of butter, a pound of baking soda, all in it. It's all equal. No, that doesn't mean that. It's all equal. It doesn't matter. That's not right. That is not the right proportions. Right. Because each thing has different proportions for what the cake 
batter needs. You just preached the whole message. <laughs> This is what the Bible means when it says, study to show yourselves approved unto God, a worker that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing. In other words, what, what has happened to us for years is that many well-meaning pastors and teachers have tried to teach the word of God and say, I'm just giving you the same amount of this and the same amount of that and the same amount of this and the same amount of that. And what they've been doing is pulling together ingredients that don't go or it's the wrong proportion. And that's why when we try to live it out, we get this mess of a cake that they told us I was going. If you just do this, haven't you seen it? If you just do this, and if you do that, and if you say this, and if you say that, this will be the results, breakthrough. And so we go home. And we put in a pound of flour and a pound of sugar and a pound of salt. Can you imagine putting in a pound of salt in your <laughs> And when we, when it comes out, we go, ah, what is this? Uh-huh. A pound of salt. Uh-huh. And don't try to taste it. And don't try to taste it. No. And so if you take all of us, is that six or seven ingredients, what you've got is seven pounds of mess. <laughs> but unfortunately, that is exactly what has happened in our lives. And sometimes we get the ingredients right, and we don't even know that we did. And that's why we can't repeat it, because we're like, I don't know why it worked this time. I just know it did. Thank the Lord that it did. When we come to church and we testify, I give an honor to God, saints. I always thank the Lord. The Lord told me to do such and such, and I did it, and it worked. And it worked. But then the next time, we're like, I don't know how I got it right. I did. And then the other times, I don't know why that went terribly wrong. And I believe that God wants us to hear something from, from nature itself that will help all of us to get out of that pattern of hidden and missing. Psalm 97. Verses 6 through 9 says this, The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples see his glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears. You hear that, Zion? Zion hears. <laughs> Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgment, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high. And above all the earth, you are exalted far above all gods. All gods. Uh, one version of the Bible where it says the heavens declare his, his elements and the people's his glory is said that the rendition of the word heavens is the elements. The elements. Hold that thought in mind. The elements declare his righteousness. The way things God does, the right standing of God, the mind of God. It's very important. I'm going to be a little bit uh, academic on you today. Turn to somebody and say, wake up already. One of my absolute favorite subjects is chemistry. I don't know if there are any other, anybody else that, was here that really likes science and chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely, talk, I'm seriously, absolutely love chemistry. Before they come in, I'm giving a chance to... Before I before I dive into this, uh, but I I'm, I really really it was I got straight A's in chemistry. Uh, uh, I got B's in physics. I didn't like physics. She liked physics too. I didn't like physics. I, but I got straight A's in chemistry, and because for me it revealed the glory of God. Everything is was so precise. Uh, that there is just no way that there could be this level of precision without there being a God. Right. And so for me, sciences simply prove the existence of God. It doesn't disprove God. It actually proves. We're just simple. science just uh, proves what's already already there. <laughs> science is just a discovery of what God has already created. Right. And I know that there are scientists who don't believe in God, but there are actually a lot of scientists who do. Right. 
They absolutely believe in God. And part of what makes science so much fun for them and so exciting for them is because they're constantly discovering new things that they didn't know about God. Tell me. And so I want to show you some of the elements, the matter, matter elements. That's what we're going to be talking about. So today we're going to be a little bit scientific and academic. We're going to go to school for a little bit. Oh. Those of you who did not like chemistry and science, <laughs> I'm trusting that by the time we get to the finish of this, you will have a new appreciation. <laughs> Uh, a new appreciation, a fresh appreciation for God. Amen, amen. We're going to talk about matter and elements, atoms, atomic structure, electrons, periodic table, valence <laughs> electrons, and so this chemistry, this chemistry lesson. So at the end, this last sentence says, let's see and hear the declarations that these things are making about God and his purpose and destiny for your life. First of all, all the matter exists in three uh, in three states. Some of you probably remember this. All matter exists either as a gas, as a liquid, or as a solid. Absolutely everything there is is either in a gas form, it's either in liquid form, or it's solid. Is that true? All right. And all matter is made of compounds. Compounds are combinations of elements. So we're going to talk about what elements are. So everything, if you broke down every compound, it would come down to an element. Elements are made up of atoms, and atoms are made up of subatomic particles. Everybody say compound. Compound. And then compounds are made up of elements. Say element. Elements. And all elements are made up of atoms. Say atoms. Atoms. And atoms are made up of subatomic particles. Say subatomic particles. Subatomic particles. Oh, right. Here's some patterns that we see in all of nature. This is absolutely true. There are 92 naturally occurring elements. Elements are like hydrogen. Gold, helium, you ever heard these words before? Yeah. Sulfur, carbon, uranium. There's 92 of them that are naturally occurred. Then there are 26 what's called short-lived or artificially created elements. These are elements that man was actually able to, in a sense, I'll say create, but they artificially created these elements. So it's 26, so it's a total of 118 uh, elements. 25 out of the 92 are essential to life. In other words, none of us could live without these 25 particular elements. The earth mass, and there are such elements as hydrogen, we gotta have oxygen, we have to have sodium, there's a list of them. Now the earth's mass is predominantly six elements. The whole earth is predominantly these six elements, oxygen, sulfur, magnesium, iron, aluminum, and calcium. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. Now you can see. So those are that's real. That's precise. That's how God is. Now if God can be so precise as to establish these six predominant elements, and we must have them, then what we're getting at is Anybody want to have that level of precision in your own life? Well, yeah. I know what I need. I yes. get what I need. Yes. Every time. Every time. <laughs> yes. You probably never in your life ever had a preacher stand up and give you a science lesson. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We just we just simply say, God is awesome. All nature is worshipable. Well, I'm getting down to the details. I want to show you why all of nature declares his glory. Because there is no way you can have this level of precision unless there's a God. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right. Absolutely no way. Atoms are the chemical building blocks of all of matter. Atoms are, that's the building block. It all starts with atoms. And the structure of atoms is what we're going to talk to you about. Atoms are made up of electrons, neutrons, protons, and, and the way that they're arranged, all of this, is it, it, it determines how that atom is going to behave, how it's going to act, how it's going to react. So atoms are composed of which we talked about, subatomic particles, and the most stable of those particles are neutrons, protons, and electrons. So here's what an atom structure really looks like. 
in the center, there's the nucleus. Some of you have probably seen diagrams like this before. You just didn't know what it was about. Inside the nucleus, there are protons and neutrons. And, and circling or orbiting the nucleus are electrons. These are particles that have a negative charge, and in the nucleus, it has a positive charge. And so, it, the number of protons inside of the nucleus has to be equal to the number of electrons, and that's what holds it together. So if there's three protons, which are positive charge, and there's three electrons, which are negative charge, three plus three minus three, and it's, that's what holds the atom together. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Now, yes. there is no way in the world that can't be God. <laughs> exactly. And it's always that way. Exactly. It's always that way. It's, can you say, I want that level of precision in my life? I want that level of precision in my life. So electrons are negative in charge, and they're in constant motion. And the electrons are in orbits around the nucleus. Chemists sometimes refer to these orbits, they call them shells. And so in the first level of orbit, you can never have more than two electrons in that first shell. After there's more than two, it'll start another shell. That's how it works. Electrons reside in their indefinite orbits and it's always that way. For instance, the smallest atom that there is is the hydrogen atom. The hydrogen atom is made up of one, it has one electron that goes around the nucleus. Um, hydrogen is a colorless, odorless, but very flammable gas. <laughs> and it occurs as what it recurs as what's called a, di, di, atom, a, a diatomic molecule, meaning a hydrogen atom never exists alone. It'll always be joined to another hydrogen atom. They always come forth in pairs. Wow. Again, always. It always exists in pairs. Isn't that amazing? No. Now, let me keep moving, otherwise I'll start teaching a lesson. Here's another <laughs> atom. If you could add one more electron, then it becomes a whole other gas. It becomes a gas known as helium. It's a noble gas, meaning that it's not easily reactive. Uh, it doesn't burst into flames as like, like nitrogen, I mean like hydrogen would, but as quickly. It's a noble gas. It's colorless, odorless, tasteless, completely uh, unreactive and non-toxic. So that's helium. That's why helium is used to blow, uh, to blow balloons. Because nobody's ever worried about a helium balloon exploding. Because helium doesn't do that. It doesn't react that way. But if you were to fill up a balloon with hydrogen, anybody ever seen the uh, the uh, films or the pictures of the big, huge uh, the Dirigible, the big huge balloon that caught on fire. Uh -huh. uh, uh, they were the Hindenburg. The Hindenburg yeah. Back in World War II, uh -huh. these big huge uh, balloons that they would use to carry people around to actually travel by. And it was filled with hydrogen. Yeah. And so there was a spark, lightning. A spark of lightning while they were trying to land it, and that's the footage that some of you have probably have seen, where it burst into flame and it's falling and collapsing, and people are running and screaming while it's falling down on them. And it's because it was filled with hydrogen. Yeah. If they had used helium, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Again, it always works that way. If you were to add another, just adding one more electron, remember you can only have is only two in the first level, so then a whole other level has to start. Mm -hmm. And the next level is the atom lithium. It's a soft, white, lustrous, and very reactive metal. Uh, and that's the thing about it. Isn't it amazing how if you have if you have an atom that looks like this, has one electron, it's a gas. And if you have it, you add it, and you has two electrons, it's the gas. It changes completely different, completely different gas. It's helium, 
and then an atom with three electrons is a metal. Wow. It's a solid. And it's always that way. Very precise. It never changes. Say, God, I want my life to be like that. Precise. When certain things are added, it always gets this result. Another electron added. Now you got an atom that has four electrons. Two in the inner shell, two in the outer shell. And it's known as beryllium. I won't go through all of them. Next one, boron. Then you add another, carbon. Anybody ever heard of carbon? Yes. yes. This is what the carbon atom actually looks like. It has two electrons in its inner shell. It has four electrons in its outer shell for a total of six electrons. Wow. There's nitrogen. <laughs> Colorless, odorless, tasteless gas. It makes up 78% of the Earth's atmosphere. So the majority, we always think that we breathe mostly oxygen, but no, we breathe mostly nitrogen. This is the gas that we must have more than oxygen. <laughs> All the nurses in the room, and they're, they're right, you gotta have that nitrogen and oxygen, but oxygen makes up, uh, nitrogen makes up 78% of the Earth's atmosphere. Uh-huh. There is oxygen. It has two electrons in its first shell, or first orbit, and it has six electrons in its outer shell. It constitutes 21% by volume of the air. And listen to this, oxygen is 46% of the Earth's weight. Wow. Wow. It is that heavy. Wow. Oxygen is 46% of the Earth's weight. And that is part of it because water itself is made up of oxygen. You know the phrase H2O? Oxygen. 46%. You go, wait a minute. This, is a, this gas is heavy. There's, there's this fluorine. It has two electrons in its first shell, seven electrons in the outer shell. And then lastly, I'll show you because there's way more than that. Then there's neon. Neon is often used, or was used, maybe not so much now, but they used to use this, this gas a lot in lights. It's one of the noble gases. It's, it's colorless, odorless, tasteless, and completely, again, unreactive. And so you can run, which is what they do, they would run electricity through this gas, and this gas would just simply glow. That's why neon lights work the way they do. All they're doing is running electricity through this gas. And it glows. It doesn't explode, it just glows. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is. Fascinating. And if this gas it now completes the maximum number of electrons that you could have in any of the shells because now if you were to move if you if the next electron i mean the next atom would be sodium and so another level has to start two in the first eight in the second and sodium has one electron in its third shell um, and it's a very soft silvery white metal is what sodium is now, when you start doing, there's something that's special that happens when you start combining atoms with other atoms. I want to show you that. There's the periodic table. This is a list of all of the elements that there are. And this is a very important table for scientists. Uh, this, this is how they figure out what to combine. So, when you start combining uh, uh, elements that's known when it be, when it comes together it's known as a compound or a molecule for instance what we're almost familiar with h2o here's why it's called h2o because this hydrogen atom which is one atom 
And hydrogen atom on the other side, that's the second item, that's H2. Two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen. Remember what oxygen looks like? It has two atoms in its inner shell. It has six on the outer shell. The most it could ever have is eight in the outer shell. So guess what? The hydrogen makes up the two so that it can have eight. Wow. And that's why they join together. Wow. Now it has the, the oxygen now has the maximum amount of electrons that it could have because it joined with two hydrogen molecules, uh, hydrogen atoms. And that's why water is so stable. And it's called H2O. God is something. And it's always that way. Every time you combine two hydrogen atoms with an oxygen atom, it always creates water. Every single time. Now, what's Pastor Chris getting at? I'll tell you in a minute. Here's another one that we're familiar with. If you combine sodium, a metal, with chlorine, Chlorine all by itself would kill you. It would burn your eyes. It would yes. burn your lungs. It would destroy you. But when you combine chlorine with sodium, we get salt. What we eat. Salt is a combination of metal and a gas. That come together to create something that we can eat. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. Wow. And it always happens that way. Why does Pastor Chris keep saying this? It always happens that way. Because when certain elements combine in very precise ways, the word that's used, scientists use it, it's recurrent. I mean, it, it happens that way every time, and it's predictable. You can expect it to be that way. So when this metal combines with this gas, it creates a solid substance that we can eat that we can consume. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And that's because God's word is the same way. Elements of God's word combine in very precise ways and they are recurrent. It always gets the same result and it's predictable. So the question is, but why isn't stuff coming out right when the word gets combined in my life? What's going wrong? What's happening? The reason why I'm not getting the results. Because when these elements combine together, this phrase, I'm reading to you. When these elements come together, the concept of emergent properties applies. That means, emergent property means it's the creation of a new property in a compound. So God intended that when the elements of the word of God come into our life, our life changes and we get the results that God's word says. When the right elements combine in our hearts and in our marriage and in our family, in our church, in our business, we're supposed to be able to expect certain results, certain things to happen, and to happen every single time. Wow. Because if the elements declare the glory of God, and it's always precise, it's predictable, then God expects his, his word to have the same effect in our lives too. Mm -hmm. Isn't that good, y'all? So this destroys that thought that God's word does not work. Oh, it works. Something else is going on if it doesn't work. But it's not because the elements don't work, because the sun is working, the moon's working, the grass is working. <laughs> if you if you combine sodium with chlorine, it's always going to make salt. If you combine two atoms of oxygen with I mean hydrogen with one atom of oxygen, it's always going to be water. And God expects His word to be the same way in our lives. And so if it's not working, it's like okay, something else is being combined. Something else is happening, and the results that I'm getting is not what well, maybe I'm putting too much of ingredients together that ain't supposed to be. Or maybe some things are being left out that were supposed to be there. This destroys the lie that this that uh, you are only uh, hearing the personal opinion of a preacher. 
Well, that's just you talking, preacher. That's just you, Pastor. No, God's word is true. Amen. Amen. This destroys the lie that this only that uh, what applies for one person does not apply for all. This is big in this world today. Well, that's just for you. That's just for you. Well, no, I don't think so. I, I think, in fact, you wouldn't want that to be. Well, if if you well if I if you if sodium and chlorine make salt, well, that's just for you. <laughs> Well, you better hope it works for you, too. Uh -huh. <laughs> right, exactly. Otherwise, you're just going to be eating some metal and drinking down some oh. and smelling some chlorine. Yes. Gas coming into you is going to destroy you. Yeah, okay. You better hope it ain't just for me and not for you. Right. <laughs> Here's part of what has happened. Everybody know the difference between these two items? Water. Anybody anybody ever seen hydrogen peroxide in the store? Use it all the time. Yeah. Do you know that these two things are made up of the same elements? Wow. They're made up of the very same elements. Wow. What's the difference? The difference is how the elements were combined. Uh. If you combine two Hydrogen with one oxygen, you get water. But if you combine two hydrogen with two oxygen, see there's a difference. H2O and H2O2. H2O2, you drink this, you're going to die. Even what we get from the store, you'll see in the bottle, it always says 3% H2O2 because you couldn't take this in its pure form. Right. Even when we get that, it's only 3%. It's 97% water right. and 3% hydrogen peroxide. Okay. And even if you drink that, you're going to get real sick. You yeah. drink enough, you'll yeah. die. Yeah. If you drunk this in its purest form, 100% H2O2, you'd, be, you'd drop dead before you get, get it down into your stomach. Mm. What's the difference? H2O2 versus H2O2. Could it be... That sometimes when people were teaching us the word, they thought they was giving us water. But what they was giving you was poison. But it was the same elements. What do I mean by the same elements? They quoted the scriptures. It was the same scriptures. But they didn't teach it in context. They didn't teach it in the content in which God meant it. So something that God intended to be water for us became poison for us. And of course we're left confused because we're going, but it's the word of God. I spoke I spoke the word of God. I claimed the word of God. Why didn't it work? Because it, it was the wrong combination of elements. Wow. Somebody say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So like, I see it, I see it. So there are some errant combinations. When I say errant, that means in error, mistake, wrong. Wrong combinations that produce toxic teaching and understanding. Because it wasn't the right combination. I'll give you some for as an example. Errant teaching. John 15, 1 and 2. You've heard me, some of you have heard me say this one before, but I'll repeat it again. This scripture, John 15, 1, 2, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And most of, how many have been told that if you don't bear fruit, you're going to be cut off? Not true. What do you mean it's not true? Because that word takes away doesn't mean cut off. So what somebody did was they added an extra oxygen molecule. Instead of you getting H2O2, I mean, instead of getting H2O, which is water, you got H2O2. And you start living your life trying not to be cut off. Here's what that word cut off, takes away, really means. Takes away is a Greek word, A-I-R-E-I. -E it's pronounced I-E-O. I-E-R-O, I-E-R-O, I-E-R-A, I-E-R-O, which means lifts up. 
A primary root means to lift up. By implication, it means to take up far away. And figuratively, it means to raise or to keep suspended. So here's what that means to put it in, in content. Uh, anybody ever seen a grapevine? Here's an actual picture. This is a diagram of one. This is an actual picture of one. And what they do is you see these little ties. They take them and they tie it to the so the the, to the trellis so it's not draping down on the ground. Okay. And so he said, anybody, any vine that's not fruitful, I'm going to take it and I'm going to reposition, I'm going to lift it up to a higher level on the vine, mm -hmm. on the trellis. That's what it means. You don't mean he's going to cut it off. He means right. if you're not bearing fruit, I'm going to take you and lift you up. Amen. And put you in a new position so that mm -hmm. you can become fruitful. Mm -hmm. yes. 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 Come on, take this H2O. <laughs> take this one. Right? Do like this. Spit out the H2O too. <laughs> Never again am I going to live my life trying not to be cut off. Because this comes from a basic teaching that tells believers that you got to work to stay yeah. saved. Yeah. But I'm here to tell you, uh, just like there was nothing you could do to get saved, the only work you and I do after we get saved is believe. Yeah. One of the works his disciples wanted to know. What what when they asked to say Jesus one time, what are the works? What's the work that I need to do? And he said, just believe. Amen. So in order to get saved, you must believe and receive. In order to stay saved, you must believe and receive. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Amen. That's right. That's Amen. That's awesome. Does that mean I'm not supposed to try to live right? I'm not saying don't, don't try to live right. But your salvation is not dependent upon you living right. It's dependent upon what Jesus did at the cross. Right. And in order to stay saved, I keep going back to the cross. Right. You did it for me. As far as God's concerned, it's past tense. Everybody say past tense. Past tense. It's done. It's over with. So what am I living right for? What am I staying saved for? Is it just to make it into heaven? No, to live your life to the praise of his glory so that other people want to come too. Amen. Amen. If you live in a miserable life, no, I'm just trying to hold on and stay saved. What is so, what's attractive about that that anybody would want to be saved to? Everybody's going to run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is why they do. Yes. yes. They see the people of God going around. Oh, just trying to hold on. They don't you want to get saved too. They don't you want to be just like me, holding on. Saints, pray for me so I can run on and see what the end's going to be. And the world is like, you don't know what the end is going to be. You living for something that you don't even know how this is going to turn out. When the heavens declare, we can know precisely what's going to happen because of his word. So I'm not living just running on trying to hold on to see what the end That tradition taught us that. Tradition taught us to say that every time we stand up and testify. Saints, y'all pray for me. So I can hold on, keep yeah. running, yeah. to see what the end's going to Say H2O2. H2O2. Somebody added something. Yeah. Somebody added something. And what was intended to be H2O and water for us was turned into peroxide that is poisonous to us. Because that's not what the word of God says. Right. What happens is I can tell you exactly where they got that from. They picked that up from the teaching regarding the uh, foolish and the wise virgins. Mm -hmm. And that, those of you who may not be familiar with that parable is telling the story of, and they've got to understand even culturally what was happening. Uh, when they would have weddings, they would invite uh, uh, single women, bridesmaids, mm -hmm to come and be a part of the wedding party. Mm -hmm. They weren't the ones getting married. Right. But they were part of the wedding party. And so if you wanted to be a part of the party, you had to have your lamp ready because it would happen at night. And so everybody would be carrying this lamp or this torch, marching in with everybody else into the wedding feast. 
And so if you didn't have your lamp, then you couldn't go in. And so the kingdom of God principle that you and I must always be ready for moments and times and seasons that God's going to grant. And you need to be ready when it comes. Yes, he was talking about when Jesus comes, but it's also a kingdom of God principle that you live always ready. Right. So God wants to use you, you're ready. You don't have to run and go, what is this group say? I'm ready. Forgive me. Forgive me. Lord, forgive me. See what I mean? But we have been taught for so long that after you get saved, how many of you are told that it's after you? It's up to you to work out your soul's salvation. Yes. Yes. Again, that's another one of those one scripture spoken out of context and not from meaning. What working out your own soul salvation means is what God has placed within you, now live it out in everyday life. Oh, amen. My life is not the same as your life. So the way that salvation works out in my life is going to be different. Because I have a different role in a different place. I'm a husband. I'm a father. So the way salvation will work out in me will be in my role as a man, as a husband to my wife, as a father to my children, the occupation that I have, the career that I go into. So work out what God put in me in my world, in my life. He didn't mean, it didn't mean what we've been taught. We've been taught, now that you're saved, that's up to you to work it out. To hold on until Jesus comes. Again, somebody added something. And what God intended to be water got turned into poison. Somebody thank God right now for Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo. See, because there are consequences when we don't live right. That's right. And that's a whole other teaching I'd love to get into. I'll get into one of these months. Okay. The consequences of when a believer sins against God. Mm-hmm. There are consequences. But it doesn't mean he automatically, okay, you're out of the family. You're kicked out and you're Citizenship, yeah. I'm just give you one of them now. Uh, you reap whatever you sow. Right. Yes. That's right. That's right. So even though you say, and if you say something wrong at your boss and you get fired, mm-hmm. well, you're not going to hell for that, but you are going to lose your job. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we're trying to explain. Everything is not a going to hell offense, but you will suffer the consequences for the decisions that you make in this life. And what the enemy tries to do is, with those consequences, then he comes in and starts nudging and pushing to try to drive you away from God, <laughs> to try to take you to the place where you walk away from God. Yeah. And that's why we're trying to keep the oil burning in because I don't want to give the enemy no open door to send me down a path that I don't need to go. I mean, if you remember this, well, this I'm going to date myself, Star Wars, when you talk about the, the, the dark side. Once you start down the dark side, forever will it dominate your destiny. So what we're saying is, don't start down the dark side. One of the here's another one I want to bring some clarity to because when you talk about the vine and how it means to lift up, then it automatically brings to your mind, you know, okay, you're not cut off from being unfruitful. But Pastor Chris, what about that time that Jesus cursed the fig tree? Wouldn't it wouldn't that mean that when you when he cursed the fig tree that anybody that's not fruitful, because the fig tree wasn't fruitful, and Jesus cursed it. Hmm. <laughs> That's Mark 11, verses 20 through 24. The cursing of the fig tree was a lesson on faith. It was not a statement about unfruitful believers being cursed or cast into hell. Here's the reason why. Oops. The scripture says, so Jesus answered and said unto them, because his disciples asked him, they said, Jesus, that fig tree that you cursed yesterday, it's all dried up. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. When they asked him about the tree, Jesus' answer wasn't, this represents anybody that's not fruitful. 
that's not bearing fruit. He said, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. What does that mean? He said, just like I spoke to that tree, you'll be able to speak to the mountain. This was a faith lesson. So he wasn't talking about believers who are unfruitful. He's saying, this, my father, because he controlled all the elements, he established all the elements. So here is something that was supposed to be producing for me. And anything in your life that's supposed to be producing and it's not, you can speak to it. Because the elements declare his glory. And this element ain't declaring glory. So I'm spoke to it and said, nobody will ever eat from you again. That's what Jesus said to that tree. And the next day, it was dry. Why? Because you are supposed to be producing. This is something that was established that's supposed to be producing in my life. So he wasn't talking about people. He was talking about a thing. He was talking about something that was supposed to be producing. So can you hear that? Yes. Can you receive that? Yes. So, now saying, so what, what in, just think about right now. What in your life is supposed to be producing? What's supposed to be producing? God brought this into my life, and it's supposed to be working. Whether it's a job, a career, my finances, my body. It's supposed to be producing. So I have the authority to speak to it. Why is this important? Because Jesus did not promote the art of witchcraft. Right. And what do I mean by this? Witchcraft is about speaking curses and stuff on people. So if he had been talking about people, cursing of that tree have been talking about people and God himself would have been promoting witchcraft. Right. Any, anybody that ain't producing I curse you. Right. No, anything in my life that's not producing stop it now in the name of Jesus. Right. Doesn't it turn everything around yes. for you right now? Yes. Thank you Lord. So now we're able to just, we, you just take it this way. Lord Every fig tree in my life, and you can show me what that is, but every fig tree that's supposed to be producing, when I come to it and I'm supposed to be able to eat of it, whether it's in my marriage, it's in my mind, it's in my education, it's on my job, whatever fig trees in my life that are not producing, Lord, they curse it now, and cut it off now, and Lord, I ask you now, to bring forth fruit in life. Do that right now. Just always be bring forth fruit right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. See, he's not talking about people. That's why that's so important. Aren't you glad for this revelation today? Yes. Amen. 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 Here's another one that's really gonna be tough to hear. But I gotta give you this reality. I just uh this comes from my wife and I have written a book called We Made a Pact. It's about marriage. And in this book I address uh, couples, men in particular, because of what God says about uh, how to love. Men are supposed to love their wives. So I'll read it to you. This is a segment from our book. The Bible describes a relationship between a husband and a wife like that of Christ and the church. If you had a bad marriage or your parents divorced, it can be very hard to relate to God in this way. Unfortunately, since a lot of teaching and preaching is focused upon fault finding, and sin searching, many people find it difficult to see a relationship with God in a healthy way. When pastors teach that God will kick people out of his family at the slightest error and mistake, then they're telling me that I have more love for my wife than God has for me. Because I don't divorce her every single thing, every mistake, every time we have a disagreement and argument. We don't. <laughs> but that's what we're teaching about our God uh, I cannot accept that teaching I made my wife a promise 
even before we got married. I told her that I would never leave her. Then I set out to prove it. <laughs> even though we may be struggling in some areas of our lives, our blemishes, spots, and wrinkles do not turn God away. Many have misquoted a particular scripture in the Bible and said, Jesus is coming for a church without blemishes, spots, and wrinkles, but read it for yourself. That's not what the Bible says. Now I'm going to put it to you in context so you can see what the Bible actually says. This is word for word. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And he says that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands are to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. What's the context? Husbands. Just as Christ loved the church. He does not say, I'm coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. He says the same way, I'm loving my church and I'm preparing her. Another word for might present her is that he might prepare her. So it's not, here's the reason why this is important. Because this was, this had nothing to do with the teaching on the rapture. This had nothing to do with the teacher about Jesus leaving and coming back for the church. He was talking to husbands about how you're supposed to love your wife. And the way you love her is that you wash, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So he wasn't saying husbands, because if, 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 this was the way we teach it, the way we teach, he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. That means that a husband has the right to when he finds spots and wrinkles and blemishes in his wife, he has the right to cut her off. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, husband, it's your responsibility to wash her. Whatever it is that you don't like that you see in your wife, then you encourage her. You don't go, honey. Uh, you gained a little bit of weight. Here's how you encourage her. I love you. No matter what, Amen. I didn't just marry you for your body. Amen. That's right. Because things change. Right. Amen. Uh -huh. Honey, I know I don't look the way I used to. I used to have a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> My six pack is hidden inside of a barrel. <laughs> How many ladies can say right now if a husband, partner, spoke to you that way, wouldn't that be encouraging for you Yes, to yes. make whatever changes rather than critique? You can't critique a woman into change. So why do we think God would do that? So it does not say he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. He says he's going to present himself a church. He's going to prepare himself is what present means. A glorious church. And that here's what that church is going to look like. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That church is going to be holy and without blemish. Why? Because he going to do it. Always remember this, everybody. The rest of your life. It's what he does. He talks to us. He tells us what we need to change, what we need to work on. That's, that's him preparing us. So he's not gone away. Waiting on us to get ourselves together. That's right. Yeah. And then when I come back, y'all better be together. Right. That's what we've been taught. Yes. But that's not what the scripture means. Next time you hear somebody say that, I'm not telling you to go and correct them. Well, you know that ain't what the scripture says. <laughs> 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 
Because what I'm giving you now, this isn't milk. No. Amen. This is meat. Amen. And this is the things that that other teaching that was H2O2. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they added what they thought that parable meant about the wise and foolish virgins to this passage of scripture. That's where that came from. You ever wonder, well, where did they get that from? He's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. Because they added the parable about the foolish virgins to this context. And that's not what Paul was talking about. He was talking to husbands and saying, this is the level you've got to love your wives. Whatever it is that you see in her that you don't like, here is how it gets changed. Washing of water by the word. Because that's what God is doing in his church. He's constantly, isn't he? Can you testify? He's constantly washing me by the water of his word. Because he's because he's like, because I'm gonna get what I want. Amen. That's But that takes the pressure off of us. You mean Lord, I'm not supposed to be trying to trying to make this happen? And especially not on my own. No, not on my own. Amen. It's just that when he brings his word, when he brings correction, when he brings reproof, then we say, yes, Lord. Do that right now. Yes, Lord. All this scripture means is he's going to do it. Amen. He's doing it. Yeah. Say past tense. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's done it. He's done it. And he's going to do it some more. And he's going to do it some more. Lord, y'all are so much fun. <laughs> the writer says that God will present to Himself a church, a bride that will be without spots or wrinkles. We understand that this, this to mean that He's going to clean and prepare the church Himself for Himself, Amen. and He's going to do it by the washing of water that comes through His Word. Amen. He's going to do it in a patient, loving way. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. And then I had it. I'm just very got pause on that. Say yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, just so that you understand us clearly, this scripture was written in the context of how husbands ought to love their wives. That's the reason why you keep hearing uh, my wife and I are constantly talking about context. Because that's where you get the meaning of scripture. When somebody pulls words out of the scripture and then do a teaching on it without giving you context, then you could be hit and miss. You might get H2O, you might get H2O2. I don't know. And that's why when we try to apply these things in our lives, a lot of times we end up with H2O2. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now here's the thing about H2O2. Because obviously it's necessary. It's a necessary compound. But you, when you read the bottle, it says for topical use, doesn't yes. it? Uh -huh. You ain't supposed to be taking this in. Right. Uh -huh. You could use this on the outside, maybe for cleansing, because that was the purpose. Right. It's for cleansing, but it ain't for you to take in and try to live this. Right. Uh, trying to get yourself together and stay yes. safe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody say yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. yes, Lord. So it's written in the context of how husbands ought to love their wives. So a husband is not being told to let his wife get herself prepared for him. And if she's not perfect, then the husband has the right to reject her. No, the writer was telling, telling husbands to love their wives the same way Christ loves the church, which is, here's the phrase, he loves the church. Unconditional acceptance of who she is right now. And here's the best part. And total commitment to help her become all that she is meant to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Anybody recognize some poisons today? Uh -huh. So why are we teaching these truths? To stop the practice of giving God's people peroxide instead of water. Amen. That's why. Amen. That's why we're teaching you this. So how do I know if, if I'm getting the right forming of compounds, elements for my life in my situation? How do you know? Well, this is what we're going to get into the next time 
uh, that we that Carol and I will teach over these next couple of months during the summer. You're going to hear from Pastor Madeline next month. You're going to hear from Elder Maxine the month after that. Amen. 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 Amen.